Hey there, Rantineers and fellow film lovers. It's your host, Brennan McGee here. If you like our show, you can support us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash therealrant. And in all honesty, whatever you find between those couch cushions helps us out greatly. All right, on to the new episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Rant, the place where we like to rant about the real stuff. My name is Brendan McGee, and sitting across from me, as always, is the illustrious sexy boy. Who are you, dude? Corey McCanada. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he liked that one. Like, every week, I feel like it's going to be something that makes sense. And I think the last two times it hasn't at all. Well, so, I mean, like, I try to, but sometimes it just doesn't jive, you know? What do you mean doesn't jive? I don't understand. You know, you like, I think of what film we're, we're talking about, and I think, what has a cuss sound that relates to the film? Well, you could say, like, uh, Corey Mick Mononoke. Meh. You could literally put, like, Mick anything in front of it. I want it to, to, like, to like, roll off the tongue. Well, yeah, but that's, like, does that relate to Princess Mononoke? No, I mean... Then... <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best next week. All right, about all right. That? But this week, we have a guest. Whoa. And it is a her. Whoa. And she's been on the show before. Uh, yeah. And she's my oldest friend, literally. No jokes. Yeah, she's 72. <laughs> No, uh, oh, sorry. She's she's not even reversed those numbers. Twenty seven. She's uh, she's twenty six. No, she's twenty five. I screwed that up. I had to. Re- well, no, because I think I'm twenty. I'm looking at her right. I'm talking to her right now. So people are listening. They're confused on who I'm talking. To. I'm talking to her, but she's not allowed to reply yeah. until I say introduce yourself. But I thought she was twenty five or twenty six <laughs> because I thought I was twenty five, and I've been doing that so much lately, like. How old are you? I'm 24, but sure? I thought I was 25. <laughs> wow. Well, nonetheless. But who are you, dude? Hi, I'm Emily. 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 Mead. Mead. Yeah. Emily Mead. You were on the show on episode three mm-hmm. yeah. with the anime film Redline. And red, 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 red. Well, now we're back with another new track uh, to talk about another anime film, mm-hmm. one that is near and dear to you, both of our hearts. Uh, because of reasons that we'll get into later. Yeah? No. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, though? Good, I yeah. mean, there's not much of an intro to do, because if people listen to the Red Line episode, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go on the fact that people probably know who you are. You're my oldest friend. Literally. I've known you Everybody since... Everybody knows who I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you go, like, you go so far as when you enter a room... And when people ask you how you know me, you just say you're my editor for jokes. <laughs> because that's kind of what <laughs> you were. pretentious, kind of, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> and also, like, make fun of me because I can't Cause write. Because you need an Because I need an editor. <laughs> yeah. Well, an editor in the sense of, like, paper, not in regards to, yeah, like. Yeah, no, not the show. Not the show. Not this show. I edit the show on my own. Corey knows that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you have an yawn over there, boy? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> All right, don't fall asleep because we are oh, dang. getting into the plugs. You cool with that? Yeah. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Brendan underscore McGee. That is B-R-E-A-N-D-A-N underscore M-C-G-H-E-E. Thanks, Mom and Dad. And Corey, where can they find you? They can also find me on Twitter at Corey McEwen one Because you number one, boy. Boy. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can follow us at The Real Rant Pod. And if you are a filmmaker, fan, or creator, go ahead and get in touch with us because we'd love to hear from you. Especially if you are a filmmaker or a creator. 
we are looking out the window for you. For you, yeah. I guess we can go with that. <laughs> we are looking for creators and filmmakers to work with uh, in future episodes of the show. So go ahead and get in touch with us. And if you're a fan, this is uh, not to downplay you at all. We love hearing from you, too. We have been hearing a lot, actually, lately, which has been really nice. So keep on sending us those messages. Uh, they're really not, they're, they're quite a great uh, pickup after a long day's work. Yeah. Hit up our DMs more often. Yeah. Uh, but you can also send us an email at therealrantpodcast at gmail.com. Send us something nice, mean, or in between. It's all juicy, just the same. I don't say juicy. I say juicy. (laughs) (laughs) I meant to say jazzy. (laughs) No, what do I usually... It's all juicy, just the same. Oh, I do, don't I? it's all jazzy. No, it's all juicy. It's definitely juicy. juicy. It's definitely never juicy. Oh my god, that was my favorite one I think I've done. Nice. But uh yeah, the same things that I said about Twitter. If you are a fan, filmmaker, or a creator, go ahead and get in touch with us that way as well. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do so at the real rant, all one word, no spaces. If you want to see behind the scenes photos of what's going on in our lives when we're behind the microphone and when we're not, because hey, that's pretty fun. Wouldn't you say, Corey? I would say. And if you're feeling real jazzy, you can go ahead and give us a five-star review on whatever listening platform you're listening to us on right now, because it helps out the show, and why not? You know, Corey? I do know, Corey. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And if you want to, but we would really appreciate it, go ahead and subscribe, because we want to have you come back and, uh, you know, just have you come back and join us in your earlobes every single week, because we love talking about films and all that jazz, so... We hope you like listening to us talk about I don't know where I'm going with this, Corey. Save they, me. What's they, the next plug? Like uh, the website? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave this in. See you in your earlobes next week, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last but certainly not least, you can go ahead and visit our website at therealrant.com because, hey, we own that domain. And you can find all of our links that we just mentioned up in the top left-hand corner of the homepage. And if you're feeling even more jazzy than that, you just go into the website and click on that thing that says, hey, click here if you're a film lover. Because it does say that on the website. Have you been to the website, Corey? Corey's crying I've, I've been. It does say that. Isn't it cool? Do you like the website? It's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty like, simple. Like, Hey, you know what? What? That's all you need. Next time on The Real Rant, we will be discussing Benny and Josh Safdie's film, Good Time, starring Robert Pattinson. So stay tuned for that. Hey, Corey, guess what time it is? Oh, what time is it? It's time for the film of the week. Ha, ha. The film of the week. Ha, ha. Film of the week. Ha, ha. Give me the magic sword. Okay. The film of the week this week is Princess Mononoke. Or Princess Mononoke. Or Princess Mononoke. But in my world, it's Princess Mononoke. Is that correct, Emily? It's, I mean. How do you pronounce in it? In Japanese, it, it would be Princess Mononoke. Yeah, that's but what But like. The Japanese title is Mononoke Hime, like it's not Princess Mononoke. What's Hime like, mean? Princess. So they're, uh, since they're saying Princess Mononoke, Princess? No, it's just Mononoke Hime. No, it's just Mononoke Hime, so... Oh, uh, I prefer that. Can we stick with that title? You want to cut you... No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, I'm just playing. But yes, the film of the week this week is Princess Mononoke. Uh, this film is very near and dear to our hearts, just as Emily and I kind of agreed on at the beginning of the episode, or the top of the episode. And why is that, Emily? But before you answer that question, we like to always ask our guests, why did they pick this film? So, Emily, why did you pick this film? Um, This movie is probably in my top five favorite movies yep. of all time. 
uh, I don't have like a definitive like number one, so they're all yep. kind of rotating. Um, but that's the main reason. It's also like it's my second favorite Studio Ghibli film. What's your first one? Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Oh, that's right. I don't think I, I've never made it through that one. It's like it's his first like film, yeah. and it's like it. It's definitely a beautiful film. Oh, it's beautiful, and I love it. But like, I think in terms of what is like a, you could say a better movie between that and Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke is like, I think it's better put together. Better film. The script is the like story is stronger. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that Nausicaa wasn't. It no, was just and part of the Nausicaa of the of the valley of the wind is also a mouthful <laughs> yeah um but there is a manga like a comic that it is based off of and i have a hard time separating the two because the manga is way longer mm. and so i think that's blurred into the movie and so i like it more for reasons that aren't really fair <laughs> like yeah it makes sense there's like outside influences yeah but yeah no it's princess mononoke is one of my favorite movies of all time and that is why i picked it oh there's not any other underlying feelings or what do you mean? Oh, never mind. I'll say it then. Well, well like, this is a film that me and you bonded over like when we were kids. Like this is a film that we used to stay up late and watch, oh, yeah, we'd watch every this. single sleepover. Like we'd have a sleepover and then like we're like we'd either watch Big Trouble in Little China oh. or Princess Mononoke. Oh, Anyways, but this week, uh, Princess Mononoke is a film, yeah, that me and you watched a lot when we were kids. Yes. Um, and we I was were, really excited for you to pick it, actually. We were both very into wolves as, like, oh my God. elementary we, schoolers. We <laughs> loved being wolves. Like, on the playground, we pretend to be wolves all the time. I'm certain of it. It was so weird. We Not used to weird. hang out in the book. do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But thinking about it now, it's so cringy. Like, no, nah, to- I have zero, I have zero shame. <laughs> Wait, how old were you? Oof. I mean. Eight, nine, ten. Oh, that's. That's fine. Yeah. Something right in that, something around there. Elementary school age. We used to pretend yeah. we were wolves in the bushes, like around the side of the school. That's fine. Yeah. At our old like elementary school or whatever. Just letting that... the creative juices flow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we were really into wolves. So that was really cool about this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But uh, yeah, is there anything else that you want to talk about in regards to why you picked it? Or oh, I mean, it's also just like a really important film between like me and my younger sister lily yeah we also bonded really heavily over it in what way um like i love this movie because i thought it was very cool as a kid like ashitaka and san the main characters were like i idolized them Mm -hmm. but lily uh she wanted to be a wolf girl like she would have rather been living in the forest oh my god that's that makes so much sense now (laughs) thinking back now i remember oh my god that's so weird how much that makes sense now but we would like watch the movie and then we would act it out like lily is six years younger than me so it was like important to like con like it's hard to like play with a kid that's like you know only three years old when you're nine sometimes yeah and i mean she didn't watch the movie when she was three years old but like when, once she was old enough to watch it, it was like Studio Ghibli movies in general, but like Princess Mononoke is probably her favorite as well. It makes sense though now because she used to bite people a lot. She did bite. <laughs> she, I mean, that was when she was like an infant, but she did bite people when she was a baby. And we used to call her Lumpy. We did call her Lumpy. I don't remember where that came from. I think it, yeah, I don't remember. Like from Edmonton, like we were living in Edmonton. When and she hated up. being called Lumpy. Yeah, and she'd bite you. So that makes sense that she wanted to be a wolf girl mm-hmm. now. That makes so much sense. It's it's like a crazy revelation because I was like, she hated me. 
for like the longest time and i never understood why <laughs> lily 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 was a moody child she's, she was she's still a moody child love you lily <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, before we get any further talking about the film and Emily's sister, let's, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this episode is about Lily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Uh, let's throw it to Tom with the synopsis. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Tom Rombus here again. And as per usual, I'm not here to cause a ruckus, but I am here to read a synopsis. All right, here we go. In a fictional version of 14th century Japan, a fight with an invading demon leaves Prince Ashitaka cursed with an illness that grants incredible strength at the cost of his own life. He embarks on a journey to find a cure to his curse as well as to uncover its source. His journey takes him past samurai battles, through the realm of the forest spirit, and to the rescue of the pioneering people of Irontown. Can Ashitaka face gods? Demons and the armies of man to save everyone? This is Princess Mononoke. All right, thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. So, I kind of actually, to... Brendan, <laughs> if you don't mind, I would like to start off the conversation. All right, then, Corey. I guess you can do it this week. Thank you. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Um, I guess since I've never seen this movie before, and I've seen it a thousand times, a thousand times. Uh, nah, I haven't seen it a thousand. I've seen <laughs> that it a is lot. Super exaggerating. <laughs> seen yeah. it a lot. Yeah, I just kind of like to start off, I guess, explaining my expectations of the movie and how it definitely did not meet those (laughs) not in not in a bad way or a good way or whatever just kind of what i thought just based off kind of like the beginning and the the little voiceover narration of kind of like this is the olden days when back when gods and demons were a thing and all that i kind of thought it was going to take a bit of a lord of the rings thing where i thought um that would have been so cool sorry sorry what's what's the main character's name again ashitaka ashitaka yeah, I thought Ashitaka was going to kind of go off on a journey to um, find the source of the curse and whatnot, and along the way pick up kind of various other characters. I can definitely see how that might have. Yeah, and come I kind of thought that, that as soon as he met the monk, yeah, I thought this is a prominent character. He's kind of goofy. Um, I thought they were going to team up, um, it would find a few warriors and stuff like that, and then end up fighting a bunch of demons or whatever the case may God, be. That would have been so much cooler. Yeah. <laughs> And, be, and because you had said to me before the movie started, you're like, oh, this is pretty violent. Like it, It's a pretty it, violent movie. It gets crazy. I was like, okay, there's going to be some fighting. You know, characters might die, whatnot. And then it didn't happen like that. No. No. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No. Like, knowing this movie really well or mm-hmm. relatively well, because I think the last time I saw this was like, God, like over 10 years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really weird watching it as an adult, as opposed to being a little kid. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thinking about like what you're saying, I can totally see how you could perceive that because 
knowing who you are, a lot of the times when I when I give you a film that you have to watch, uh, I'll go, okay, we're doing this film this week, and you're like, I've never heard of this film before. I'm like, I don't care, just watch the film. <laughs> and so, and and that usually happens with like offhanded films, especially like anime films. So this is the second animated film I think we've done on the show, yep, um, or discussed on the show, and uh, I think. Um, yeah, and Emily was the first. The yeah, first I did. You did the I, first. I brought Redline. Yeah, I did Redline. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, this film it was the first for you, where you were just kind of like, or not the first in regards to like being confused, but like, because uh, you're often confused. But yes, um, I meant in the sense of like, like in regards to Japanese like storytelling. Yeah, it's definitely a different formula than what mm-hmm. you could say. Like the the basic the, her- the heroic the- romantic journey store that is in something like lord of the rings yeah, yeah, yeah exactly sure. so i was like so when you say that it sounds really cool and i yeah. think that a lot of that comes from the fact that that's that's the kind of like hero's journey that i know yeah it's preconceived for me exactly I so. so i actually like to some degree really like that essence of that kind of tale because that's the kind of um tale i kind of like like looked for when i was a kid Mm -hmm. um and i can definitely see that perspective and being able to like think oh maybe this monk character is gonna be a lot because watching it back now i totally thought that monk character like was someone that hung out with them the whole movie yeah and i totally remembered him as being i remember him being like a huge constant actually not being a bad guy oh Mm -hmm. really no He's a bad man. I didn't yeah. remember him being a bad guy. And I kind of forgot about him throughout the movie. And then yeah, all of a sudden he, he's back. I'm like, oh, hey, that guy. When he came back, I actually thought he wasn't a bad guy. Mm. Or I, I actually well, his, thought he wasn't a monk. His motivations are supposed to be questionable, right? You're not. Well, he, he said he was a monk. So I immediately thought well, that he was a good guy. And then when he came back and started saying bad stuff. I was kind of confused because then I was like, well, is he still, is he actually a monk? And that's the thing about Japanese storytelling is sometimes, or just the, it's not even the Japanese storytelling. It's the, um, the fact that we're not from Japan and I'm not as used to this type of storytelling, uh, or this, you know, and, and the fact that it's translated. And a lot of the times you as an audience member watching these films from that part of the world, you kind of have to know the world to really perceive emotions and style you know style of how people are acting kind of like give off certain cues so i was it was hard for me to kind of like perceive the situation of whether or not he was just a liar and wasn't a monk or he was just always a monk because i didn't know how to read the characters because i'm not part of this i mean I suppose i'm not as used to this type of storytelling what? or this way of what we don't know is what a monk's job in society would have been during this era. Which yeah, is, I guess so. I actually wrote this down. Oh, the Muromachi era, which is between 1336 mm, 13, and 1573. So mm. this was like a long time ago. But yeah, we don't, I don't, I don't even know what, a, like, if you said you were a monk, what that really meant. Like, obviously you'd have like, you probably would have been seen more as like a, a teacher yeah. Like a a person who held knowledge, like you probably would have been educated, but I don't know if that necessarily meant you were like super devout or like really, I don't and know. Who's who's to say that he like currently, as the movie's going along, currently practices his monkism? He, yeah, like, he I mean, could we have don't been, see him do anything like that. And that's he true. turns to a life of crime yeah. uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> and he becomes Batman after this movie. I am a monk. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 that makes sense. I think what I was more or less getting at was the fact that I think I talked about this in the Red Line episode about the idea that um, 
I'm so used to the Western world and mm. the style of how we make films. Mm. And it's difficult sometimes for me to kind of turn off that audience viewer kind of like self of my brain and be able to basically be a completely different audience member um, watching anime films even just from Japan or other countries where they speak different languages, right? Because certain cues and uh, expression are different around the world, right? Mm -hmm. And the way you kind of like wish to promote emotion in your face is different like in promote emotion through language is different so it's and and on top of that because this film was translated it's even more difficult so the ambiguity is more there i, I think, think the translation is pretty solid like I've, i mean the translation is I've good i've watched it in english and in japanese with subtitles and like the lines are essentially identical no no, no i i know that but it's it's just uh, the over... Um, We're missing the societal knowledge that someone who grew up learning Japan's history instead of, you know, Canada's history. Exactly. Yeah, know. it's just it's just more like... Yeah, I, I think the, th- the main thing for me is like anytime I have to kind of read into something to see if whether or not one thing is one thing and not another. Like, I actually was... I started to put things on the movie, like what I said, where I thought that he really wasn't a monk. He was actually lying. I th- I thought that because it wasn't being told to us, I mean, and I was like, like, "Is he or isn't he?" His you know? actions don't suggest that he's a monk, so like yeah. that's that's okay to think that he's kind of a crook because. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could be that. a crooked monk, though, too. Yeah, exactly. No, totally. So I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I it's weird how we got into this convers this this aspect of the conversation, but it, it's just um it's something I think that it needed to be kind of addressed a little bit in my end because I was like. This film, once again, like watching, like not comparing this from Breadline, but like just in general, my my animation or anime knowledge is quite bleak. Um, it's just it was the movies that I watched with you growing up, pretty much, Emily. So because you were my anime connection, but yeah, I don't know I'm anime connection. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. So Corey, you going from that kind of point of view of not really knowing what the film was going to be about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really review films on this show and I'm, I'm not really asking that from you, but I'm, mm. I'm kind of wondering like from that outsider, not really being as connected to the film. Did you enjoy it though? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm that ha- was a good movie. Yeah. I will say I did enjoy Redline better. You like Redline better? Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't, I didn't at all. Mainly cause I think, I think the animation and this is just so close to home for me. Because a Studio Ghibli film, you're able to tell if it's Studio Ghibli film based on the animation. It's a familiar style. Yeah. And and you can even... I think the minute I can tell is when I start seeing uh, the, like, forest or yeah. foliery or mm-hmm. foliery. What is it called? Uh, uh, foliage. Foliage. Foliery. Yeah. <laughs> what was I? Oh, foliery. Yeah. That's great. Floweries. No. Um, yeah. The full... Fo- fo- what did you call it? Foliage. Foliage. Can I get when, the, the, the language of origin? <laughs> <laughs> Once you start seeing the foliage of like a Studio Ghibli film, I think it's pretty easy to understand that it's a Studio Ghibli film because they're so well animated. Oh, and Emily, that's a... kind of something you wanted to talk about. Well, I mean, I took some notes and I took realized about halfway through as I was watching it that a good half of my notes is just me being like, oh my God, the way he animates this. Well, tell us. Oh. Tell us about okay, it. Okay, one of my favorite things is... um. 
at the beginning of the film, like when Ashitaka is first banished from his home, before he even encounters that samurai battle, there's just this one shot of him crossing this plane. And the way that they animate the wind going through the grass, like just the shimmers of light, like passing through the blades. Do you guys know the shot I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. So cool. Like fascinated me even as a child, like how I wanted to stand in that field so bad. Yeah. Not even... A cartoon field. I think there's something to be said too about the way they use the elements in in films, like a Studio Ghibli film. Like when you look at films like Totoro too, and they play around a lot with rain, because mm-hmm. um, yeah. rain is like a big. I don't know if you remember this, but like when you when you watch the whole Totoro scene where it starts to rain, it like drops, 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 and then it pours. Yeah, that scene is like so dug into my head, but when they deal with like elements like wind is always like a big thing like in Howl's Moving Castle mm-hmm. wind was really big deal um and stuff like that but yeah no i i remember exactly what you're we talking about that shimmer kind of from the sun it's something yeah. you wouldn't really consider because like when you're watching a live action film um we see that we obviously know that it's there mm-hmm. uh, but no we're, we're we're paying a little bit more attention to it but that translation uh from like to an animated you know, film, it's not something you'd think of, right? Yeah, it's just such a simple and yet obvious way of showing that movement, especially from such a distance. I don't know. That's just one of the many things mm-hmm. that I wrote down here. Um, kind of touching on that, like yeah. the wind and other elements and stuff, the way they kind of uh, like manipulate fluidic objects almost, like the the demon at the beginning with like the sausage link creature yeah, and the, uh, the goopy guy sausage at the end. Sausage link creature. Yeah, sausage link creature. <laughs> Looks like a bunch of sausages. Going I, around. I like it. Like yeah. the... and he's surrounding a pig, so it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you mean the worms? Yeah, the, yeah. De- the, the, the By demon the way, worms. that creeped me out. The, the demon goo that creeped me out. That's good. It like the the very beginning when he like dies and he like turns to skeleton. Yeah, like yeah. that was very scary as a child. Like yeah. it's very it's gruesome. Yeah, I remember the worms being a lot more intense when I watched it as a kid. Oh, like I said, it's been over ten years since I've seen this. I mean, it makes sense that it would be more scary when you were younger. Well, it's not that it was scary. It's just like for here's an example. Like think of any film that you watched when you were a kid that you loved and you haven't watched in a really long time. Like that. That's a big deal for me, though. Like like I don't watch animated films really at all anymore. Even Pixar mm-hmm. films, which kind of suck. It's very select Pixar films that I'll go and see um, like Finding Dory because I have that mm. connection to Finding Nemo. I won't watch the Cars movies because I wasn't particularly a fan of the first yeah. one. Um, Toy Story, obviously, but like, um, for instance, like a year ago, I was watching James and the Giant Peach, mm-hmm. and it was so weird to watch it and think about how go back to kind of that thought process of what it was like for me when I was a kid when I was watching and how mm-hmm. things scared me then compared to what I feel about them now. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I guess it was scared. I was scared. I was definitely scared so, of James and the Giant Peach. That's well, not, for sure. <laughs> not even James and the Giant Peach. I'm just talking about in the sense oh. of like thinking about how you were frightened or how you felt about things mm-hmm. and then thinking about them now as an adult mm-hmm. and that that kind of like transfer over. And it was really weird. Like I remember the worms being a lot more freaky when I was a kid. And then the the one particular scene um, is how they how they portrayed the boar. Mm. like the the god boar what was his name um the big white one one? yeah Yeah. akoto is the big white boar yeah i just remember his goopy eyes yeah he had like those goopy eye drools 
That was so gross when I was a kid. I thought it was... I was like, why would they even animate that? Well, it's like very realistic. Yeah. I, mean, like, I think I remember asking when we were kids. I, I remember asking, like, why did they why bother him? That? Well, like, I mean, you, I mean, you have a dog. Like, don't you have to clean his eye gunk out? No, not really ever. He does that Wild himself. boars don't have, you know, boars don't have like. I don't think a boar can bring its hoofs up to its face. To, also, like, like Ranger has Ranger himself. has like Ranger has um shorter hair than your dogs do though. So true. Yeah, your dogs have like longer hair. The longer the hair of the dog is, then. I know, but I mean, like... A hair of the dog. Hair of the dog. <laughs> a boar wouldn't be able to, like, clean its own eye gunk out. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, scratch its eyeball there. out. Yeah. Yeah. What's another scene that you really, really like? Um, the morning after he has dinner with Jigo, the monk, uh-huh. and it's, like, the morning light beams coming through. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the, so beautiful, like, photorealistic, or at least as close as I could ever draw it, like... And you can draw, so that's saying something. <laughs> well, no, actually, I, I, I could, I can't even compare myself to this movie. But well, you like, don't have to. But it's just more of the sense that you can draw. But like, Hayao Miyazaki, the director and like lead animator in this, like, nature is incredibly important to him, and like that is why there's so much attention to detail. Well, nature in his films are like, always it's a main theme of this film. That's for sure. It's <laughs> yeah. always a big deal for his films. Yeah. Um, and the connection of nature, which is something I, I kind of wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like this balance of how nature uh affects people and people affect nature mm-hmm. and kind of the transfer of vengeance which is really cool because of one affecting the other like yeah. like for instance this might turn into a cool conversation but you know we'll see where it goes so when obviously like i watched this when i was a kid so i had no idea what the storyline was watching this now fresh again it was like watching it for the first time again which mm-hmm. was really nice um and I didn't remember the story at all and you get into understand you get to understand kind of like why Ashitaka had the had the curse you know and I mean because again I was a kid Uh, (laughs) so you get to understand the curse situation better and then um, when Ashitaka leaves uh, you get to the point where he's at this place where he has to kind of like get rid of it and find a way to get rid of it or something it's not really his goal it's just he's leaving to go well he does want to remove the curse yeah that is his main goal when he leaves um and he's been advised by like the wise woman to see with eyes unclouded by hate but i don't even think he necessarily knows what that means at first yeah like he's just like okay i mean i'm banished like i'm gonna die so i might as well go but yeah when he leaves though i think that was the biggest thing for me when i was a kid as i didn't really understand the banishment yeah like why he left and when he left um i just thought he was going on a journey to go find like the forest spirit Mm. but i think my favorite part of this whole film and you talking about like eyes not clouded by vengeance because i think vengeance is a huge thing in this film yeah but the the scene where they come into where he comes into iron town and he's talking to the men in the in the soup hall or whatever yeah and he's talking about how where that boar came from the boar that gave him the curse yeah and they unbeknownst to them know don't know that like the boar actually gave him the curse yeah um because that they were trying to mine ore yeah and the animation here is actually like really cool because even though there's so little animation of him being like facially kind of expressed, it plays more into that aspect that you were talking about, about eyes not being clouded by vengeance, but he's still asking questions that would kind of be asked by someone who is vengeful to some degree. 
Well, yeah, he's like, and I mean, it's not that he's I vengeful. Think part it's of just the like curse he's, he's is just... like he has to feel this hate, whether because of like the curse makes him feel hate, or is it because he's angry that something happened to him that was out of his control? Like, is he hateful to these people? for being the cause of his pain it, or like i think at that point he's trying to be neutral like he knows that these people didn't mean for him to catch a curse yeah, yeah from but a it's, demon. it's more or less the two aspects of the vengeance though like the vengeance that he feels from the curse that it gives him the affliction the from the curse right yeah and then there's also the aspect of the vengeance that he he wants kind of almost on the people themselves because yeah, they, he's trying not to blame them for what happened yeah exactly yeah. trying not to blame them for for what happened but the the lack of expression in his face that's animated in this film or this scene is like so powerful i think it is very cool because it, it sort of like fades back into his face from the shot of like the boar running through the f- like forest yeah, that's, that's on right. fire yeah and he's sort of like and everybody else is kind of like hey dude are you okay because <laughs> he was having a little moment to himself or whatever and he's like oh i was just thinking about how scared and afraid that boar must have been yeah he's yeah. he's acting like almost very passive aggressive <laughs> i like, mean he definitely doesn't say it with that tone like i don't know if they have enough they don't know enough about him to know that he's they he, being he, he finally explodes though after though like when he goes um when he talks to what's her face the woman he does he does um confront lady aboshi about yeah. um well, what she's doing he confronts her but then he he finally breaks and says like something along the lines of like um is that what you're gonna do you're just gonna kill everybody pretty much you're gonna kill all of nature or something like yeah, that. yeah well he basically is like you're just killing indiscriminately like he- like she's killing the monkeys come on ashitaka help me kill the monkeys yeah like oh they're always just trying to plant trees dicks you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, it's no. just like they're they're talking about it in a sense that's just kind of ashitaka has experienced a sort of cyclic nature to the violence and the indiscriminate hate that like hasn't made its way back around to her yet he's like don't you realize the repercussions of your actions and she doesn't yet right she doesn't until the end of the movie yeah after she pretty much destroys everything i mean to some degree it's not i mean and i think this is a message of the movie is that like it's everybody's problem you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she was a major player, but like, nobody is a bad guy in this. Like, nobody is the villain of this movie. Well, like, no one's a some... good guy, though. Well, I mean, you could argue that Ashitaka is trying to be a good guy, but he's like, the more, he's the one with the most of them, the most moral compass. I'll say, yeah, yeah. But like, the point is that like, he's trying to find the, he's trying to find you, the yin and the you, yang. Yeah, you need to find the balance, right? Like, the movie doesn't. I don't feel that the movie blames any one person for what happened. Like, it's a combination of a lot of things. Do you think that's why the this forest spirit kind of acts as a little bit, like, to, to remind us of that? That there is no real well, that, fault? That's another point, right? Is, like, the forest he's spirit so forgiving. Is, is a creature of both life and death. He gives it and he takes it away. And, for example, right in the climax of the film is um, they're trying to kill the forest spirit in the pond. And the forest spirit appears and everybody's kind of in awe. Yeah. And he crosses the water and like kills like the two gods that work for him and jigo the monk is like i don't understand why did he do that and it's like the forest spirit didn't care about the conflict the war he's he's just it's time for them to die like it it there is no 
war to him like it was their time to go he took their life like they see him as this beast this warrior this like thing to be taken or this thing this monster who's trying to like defend the force but that's not it he is nature itself like it's yeah. he's just a cycle he's just a physical embodiment of it it's interesting how we can kind of like relate that or bring a parallel to that in regards to our world though too it's like when we look at the planet itself and we talk about like climate change and shit we're talking about how like you know oh the planet's dying and it's like no the planet's gonna be fine like planet just wants to get rid of us get rid of us because they're pissed off gone the planet will hopefully recover if it's global warming doing the killing the i think the the earth once it has we have to fight back against the earth (laughs) (laughs) the only way just punch those hurricanes (laughs) um so what what is why is he so close to nature do you think why is why is hayao miyazaki yeah why is hayao mi so close to nature i mean i'm not saying that i'm not close to nature and i'm not questioning i'm just saying like what's do you, that, do you maybe like think looking at his other films and things like that and having a better insight into who he is as a creator? What what do you think kind of like drives him to talk about this as a topic? Um, well, I have a quote, actually. OK, so while he's not like specifically talking about nature in this quote, I'll, I'll just read it. <clears throat> the concept of portraying evil and then destroying it. I know this is considered mainstream, but I think it is rotten. This idea that what that whenever something evil happens, someone in particular can be blamed and punished for it in life and in politics is hopeless. So, like, I think this is one of the main arguments of the movie. Right? Like, both sides, when you say, for example, the wolves versus Irontown, yeah. both consider the other side evil. Yeah. Like, you're killing our people, you're, you're killing the forest, blah, blah, blah. And the idea is that neither of these, neither of these people groups of people are evil they're defending their home and the problem is that they can't see past that hatred of the different or the new or the old um they can't see past it and therefore find a balance to coexist you know what i mean like that is the barrier yeah is there uh hate or fear of the other right i i think you're looking at that quote and you refer it to this film you kind of like think about okay well you look at the circumstances and you look at like humans as a con- like as a as a people mm-hmm. and then you look at animals and you're like okay well i could definitely see like an animal being more rash in regards to people taking apart their home and stuff like that and their yeah. their like re- their um vengeance is more justified than i feel like the action of say um what's the lady's name again yaboshi Lady Yaboshi. Yeah. I can see that being... Like, I I understand what she's doing to some degree. She's creating a place of, like, hope, Mm -hmm. I guess, in in a new world and kind of, like, creating uh, independent, you know... I guess what she was trying to build was, like, basically an independent, like, democracy. Like, an independent city. Yeah, she was trying to... In a way, she was trying to shelter some, like marginalized people like she all of the women in the town were uh from brothels and then her her gunsmiths were all lepers yeah at the time in japan and probably the rest of the world would have been shunned and just basically died because no one would touch them right exactly so like she has a good side to her like she is do you think that's a good side or do you think she's taking advantage advantage? i mean that's the argument right like is sheltering a people that is marginalized um and using them as part of society does that perpetuate 
or does it help them? Okay, well, let's break this down for a second. Because then we, okay, well, then we'd have to like look at the character of Lady Eboshi and kind of like consider based on what we're given in the film, like, is she that evil? <laughs> or is she just kind of like the monkeys? Like I I mean, I don't know if I say either of those things. But like, Give the, us the human creature. Give us the human creature. We will eat the human. If we eat it, we will gain its strength. Uh, no, no. Corey loved the monkeys. In Dude, this best part of the movie. Love the monkeys. Also very scary. Like, oh, God. Still pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> monkeying around. <laughs> um, like again, I think the movie is arguing that she is not evil, mm. that she does bad things and she does good things, and like. But one, they're they're so at certain points she does more terrible things than good things. I think she does good things, but for selfish reasons. Mm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. then I can't cons- I can't think about her not being selfish and regarding. To like marginalize a group of people, like if right. she's already, she's already uh, basically saying that she's making selfish decisions out loud. How can I not place that into her characteristics when she's making people work for her to mm-hmm. kind of like get an end goal thing, right? Like, I mean, a way that we could look at it is: Do the lepers feel oppressed? By the looks of it, no. They seem very thankful. Yeah. And in the end, they actually are cured oh, by that's the right. forest spirit. Yeah. Now, is... But it's no thanks. I was going to say, no do thanks we thank lady. lady Oboshi for that? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they wouldn't have been cured if the forest spirit hadn't been killed. It is like an upside to the death of the forest spirit. That's although, a good point. Uh, we can't yeah. contribute that to Lady Oboshi, though, I don't think. Yeah. But, like, because of her, they did eventually integrate back in society. That's true. And like during the siege of Irontown, they're treated as equals with the women, at least. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, that they're treated exactly the same. Well, I know, but we can also look at the, I mean, this is terrible to say, but we can also look at the ta- time period though as well and consider like how women were treated in general. Well, I mean, all over the world. So like not even. Yeah, just like not, like, yeah, like all over the world and still probably to this day. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like, so this I. This movie I, does portray plenty of like strong female characters just like have a a lot of agency like a yeah like a heavy like feminist um progressive like progressive look i guess to some Mm. degree like like when they kind i mean one that i wasn't expecting for the time period the film was made i mean like it's another that's another theme of miyazaki like he likes placing like independent female characters at the forefront of his films Mm. like Nasca of the Valley Wind, same thing, main character. Why does he do that, you think? Um, I mean, like, I don't know. It's very refreshing. Like, um, he always, he has this story. He, he generally, I've noticed like a theme with his story is there's, there's like usually, um, it's almost like, you know, how in the hero's tale you have the hero, you've got the kind of like, you know, princess, you've got, mm-hmm. um, the, the rogue, you've got the, um, and you've got the villain, right? Mm-hmm. You can attribute all of that to Star Wars, right? So, like, you know, Han Solo, Princess sure. Leia, Luke, Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at, like, Hao Miyazaki films, did I say his name right? I always get his name Hayao wrong. Hayao Miyazaki. How, Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, when you look at his films, he kind of always has this, unless it's, like, child-like films that are, like, strictly for children, um, a, lot of the, a lot of his films that I can think of have this aspect of where there is a woman... And then there's the man, 
and the man is always kind of like this elemental figure who is confused but yet trying to figure a way out and the woman kind of comes in to fill in that spot to kind of like i don't know like basically redeem the character i'm thinking of how how's moving castle right now but i'm also like thinking about how like the dynamics of the characters between the male and the female work in his films he definitely does have like he'll usually have like a boy and a girl yeah like it's quite common And and the woman is always like the woman is always stronger than the male in his films, I found. Not I mean, like, that that not matters. Not that you have to compare them or anything. Yeah, no, no, but I meant in the sense of like he definitely doesn't, what they do. He definitely makes his female characters, uh, writes them with just as much agency as he gives like the male characters. But actually, I have another quote. <laughs> well, I guess I wanted to say that mainly because of the fact that it's something refreshing, though. We don't no, get that in the Western world as much. And like, for here, here we go. And if we do get them in the Western world, I always find that it is like, hey, we're doing this, this is a big deal, when it's just like... Yeah, it's shoved down your throat. And you're yeah. just like, you're not just like slid a piece of paper and given something beautiful that someone's written, right? Mm-hmm. I walk around in my world seeing everyone as an equal. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people don't see the world that way. However, when I see something like this, I find it more refreshing than seeing the new Ghostbusters film. <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, more in the sense I... that it's like, I get it. I totally understand, but it's like I prefer the way of this than I think what it is is it's like this movie is written well and it's a strong story and it just like gives it to you like it's fact. I mean Yeah, and that's that's the difference like this one But that's the point, it's fact. Like I think that Like I mean I I also think that I haven't seen the Ghostbusters movie. But that's not the point. The point is is like the Ghostbusters film is shoved down our throat about the fact that it's a new cast and stuff. That could also be like marketing's fault. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. That's a good point. I didn't even consider that too. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. Yeah, the difference between these two is even though the like the new Ghostbusters Ghostbusters movie is it prominently features an all female cast to promote kind of, you know, the power of women and stuff like that, there's nothing behind it. There's, there's no, like the characters aren't developed. There's, it's just like, just that the fact that there are more women on screen is what is supposed to excite people. Whereas, like if you look at this, the 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 female character is um, well written. She has her own goals. Like she seems like a real character, and that's more important than just having. It's like, um, a qu- quality over quantity. Kind exactly. Of thing. Yeah. Here's another another good film that kind of does this a lot. Like. It's kind of a weird comparison, but like Annihilation. Yeah. Uh, whereas like it's a completely female cast and it's like, and it's so, it amazes me. This film was so under the radar. Yeah, definitely. But it was like, it was, it, I didn't, I wasn't even considering them being female. It mm-hmm. was just like, these are the characters. These are the characters. Yeah. And that's what I want from a film. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I guess you're you're right in regards to marketing. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm going with this, but <laughs> but no, you had a quote. I, I hope we're not coming off as kind of like assholes. Yeah. And we are. I mean, I'm not going to say we're not male here, and that our outlook <laughs> is a lot different than say yours. I was going to say like I did grow up as a girl, seeing all male characters. Like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. I don't like, know. I just they're all characters. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. How do you think our argument is? Because it's like coming because well, you you have a female perspective, whereas we have male perspectives. Yeah. No, and I mean, like I guess uh, it was cool to see San in Princess Mononoke as a kid, but like her being a girl wasn't like the only reason that I thought she was cool. It was because she 
actually was a well-written and, she hung, and mm. she hung out with wolves and she hung out with wolves even better um, i mean as a kid actually i wanted like i i thought ashitaka was really cool like i drew my i drew the curse onto my arm like with a pen <laughs> when like, we were kids i actually thought because because i wasn't very understanding of because yeah i was really young and i didn't really understand how how anime worked and also how long hair worked on boys <laughs> so when he had a ponytail i was like really confused i thought i remember asking like when we were really little if he was a boy or a girl because i couldn't oh i my couldn't God. i know it's terrible to say but i couldn't tell for the first like i think for the first five minutes <laughs> But you know, you know me. <laughs> a doofus. <laughs> yeah, he's much. gorgeous either way. He is gorgeous. He is yeah. very pretty. He's All the way. Gorgeous. He's, he's not handsome. He's I'm gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> and we should put on some makeup when we go yeah. work. I guess we have to work with makeup on today. <laughs> yeah, pull that kimono tight. <laughs> don't want anything falling out <laughs> all, the, all those women were very funny i like them a lot yeah. too yeah. yeah i also really like the um the guy who broke his arm oh Kuroku. <laughs> yeah he's like my, my arm is fixed oh it's definitely still uh, broken yeah. he's like the comedic relief <laughs> sort of for the movie and like he's him. like this lovable idiot kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah. yeah anyway sorry you had something but i do have a quote about the boy girl thing right yeah. um <clears throat> I've become skeptical of the unwritten rule that just because a boy and a girl appear in the same feature, a romance must ensue. Rather, I want to portray a slightly different relationship, one where the two mutually inspire each other to live. If I'm able to, then perhaps I'll be closer to portraying a true expression of love. I think that's why I really loved his films when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. I think it was because I... I think because I was so... um, fed up with films where it was like it had this really cool action you know what i mean like i was always like an action nut. i loved yeah. i loved this film so much because it was gory <laughs> yeah um and i think i think the aspects that i might have seen my looking back on my child brain um thinking about how i might have seen the world i can definitely see myself kind of getting frustrated with the idea that they may have had a romance in this film but they don't and watching it get they don't really like they love each other yeah but they're not like actively showing it to us in the film yeah and i think that's that's important that this film does does that you know what i mean like they're both strong independent people with goals and yes um it throughout the course of the film they grow to love each other and like but it's not in i guess what you would say like an action movie way yeah where it's like okay we have to throw the girl in there so that like the guy can get the girl at the end or whatever. Mm, yeah. Like they together basically survive because they're both determined to win. I'm not win, but like live and do the right thing. Like it's their desire to survive the consequences of just their lives basically. And everything yeah. that surrounds them that brings them together. And in the end, saves everyone. It's good topics to discuss because I think that was the thing that I really noticed in this film was like the main character was like, a boy but his kind of like way of needing to help finish his job of like curing himself but also like was like saving everyone was Mm -hmm. needing son i think because as he leaves home he didn't really need son he just wasn't looking for her and then she ended up there and he was like oh my god she's great (laughs) it was a little bit of that it was a little bit of love first sight i think like Oh, and you definitely see her. It was a really awkward scene. I wrote it in my notes about how, like, when he met her for the first time, he's like, hello, over there. 
I think it's like I think his, and she like spits why blood he just him? like yeah. why he jumps up there and like introduces himself is sort of more like a it would be like an etiquette thing like he's introducing himself to gods like you present yeah. yourself and your name and your intentions yeah like just like the woman does um as the boar dies at the very beginning like the wise woman she's like oh, yeah. go in peace like introduces herself like i think that's sort of like a that would be like a religious thing yeah like just a rule like if you encounter a god you say who you are did he know that she was a god son was a god well, he knew I mean, that the wolf was a god he knew that the wolves that were with her were gods so were all wolves gods or was it just in that just particular forest oh oh i thought it was just the big one well, the, her pups are probably also gods as well. Oh, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, but, like, the idea is as humanity grows, this, like, the magical side of nature falls, yeah. right? Like, Well, it doesn't fall. Be... It's just people, I think, may, may, well, why don't we talk about that? Is it less that it falls and more that people just kind of stop believing because we build more and more into a civilization? If you want to get metaphorical, maybe, like in the movie, it portrays it as like a like a physical thing. Like as the humans become stronger, the spiritual, like the physical spirits disappear. Like because they say the four spirits still here, like he's everywhere. He's literally life. And you could say the same thing for uh, Moro, the like wolf mother, like her intentions of protecting the forest live on through san's intentions right yeah okay cool so i want to talk about the music okay what do you want to talk about um, the music well first what did you did it did it leave any impression on you guys like what did you think? yes very much so but a lot of that has to do with the fact that i'm connected to the film spiritually and mentally so but Corey, you go ahead uh i'm say yes but probably not in the way that you're intending the points that if um impacted me more was when there was no music no that's that's important oh okay. i want to hear i want to hear what you have to say Corey. yeah it reminded me a lot of the lord of the rings soundtrack yeah a little bit like the beginning song opens up or the end song sounds a lot like unexpected journey mm. the shire song okay yeah yeah. we can never remember yeah, the, lord, can, the music i can't remember it after that yeah yeah but um no, I, I remember there was, I can't remember specifically, except for the one when, at the beginning when he's uh, going across the path and he sees the samurai just attacking a village. Oh my yes. God. And there was no music and you just hear like out the far off distant like clatter of and like yells and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that, that stuff really gets to me. And there was a few other instances where there was just, there was just no sound and you hear kind of what's going on in the world. Yeah. And I really like that. Like. Uh, for example, No Country for Old Men, there's no soundtrack in that, and right. I think it's really cool. I wanted to kind of talk about the no sound really as well. Also in that samurai scene, and a lot of the samurai scenes, is arrows are quite often used in this film. Like we were talking about earlier in regards to the elements kind of being heavily used in Hamuzaki yep. films. The arrows in this film and them going through the wind have a very specific sound that I remember loving mm. when I was a kid. It's the, this very like whistly <laughs> noise. Exactly. Yeah. Like Like when it happens, it's like, and it's like, it was really, really cool. And it reminded me of, I, I liked it as much as it, I, I liked um, Sebulba's uh, pod race, pod racer in episode one of Star Wars. Oh, go, 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 go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like, like again, like I keep on wanting going to back to when I was a kid and how I felt the sound mm-hmm. made me feel. Because mm-hmm. it was like, it was a lot of like reliving when I was watching this again. Oh, I was so happy you picked this film, Emily. Because I just needed a reason to watch this film again. But it was like 
rewatching this again just brings up so much of those memories that you had when you were a kid of what the film was like exactly and the proper nostalgic no though not the kind of one that was not the manufactured kind not the one that's like hey we're in the 80s i mean not that i was lived in the 80s but or hey we're in the 90s no literally for your own childhood you're nostalgic for this movie exactly yeah like not not like stranger things or anything like that um i have a specific note is and see i watch this movie with headphones in yeah, so because Riley um, was sleeping. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> that is my boyfriend. Um, His name is Riley. <laughs> and he was sleeping. And he was sleeping. So, the first time you see uh, San and the wolves in the movie, when you meet the on that hillside with the oxen being driven, mm. the wind tunnel noise that it plays when it cuts to San on the wolves' back is like. It was something I never noticed before watching it. It just sounded like rain, but with the headphones in, it was like super intense because you're yeah. literally in her like face masks with her mm-hmm. when it cuts back to them. I thought that was really cool. That's a good point. Huh? Mm-hmm. But you might not notice that if you weren't wearing headphones. I just think that the the aspect of how they used Foley in this film is really great. <laughs> It's called Foley, right? Foliage. Foliage. No. No, it's called Foley. Foley. Is it Foley? No, it's Foley. What is that? Foley art. Yeah. It's It's like like the art of making sound. Oh. So like that's those sounds you're talking about. You try and make fun of me. Look at you. (laughs) uh, I'm learning something (laughs) new. No, if if you watch like behind the scenes of like movies and stuff, they'll have people like smashing stuff together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like those sounds that you hear with the arrows and things like that, that's someone actually making that sound in the studio. Mm, Got it, got it. So like like they're thinking about it. Like um, the one time I noticed it was when uh, Ashitaka's on his red deer Mm -hmm. and he's like, hoofing and stuff and i that was the one time where it kind of like took me out of the film and i could see somebody in the in the full the foley room and kind of like making sounds and stuff like that because animated films obviously they're made with they're animated after the the voices right are captured to some degree um i think how is it made in anime it's i might be getting this reversed but i'm pretty they have storyboards and then they have i'm pretty i think you talk over the animation don't you i I think that's the way they i can't remember listeners get back at us about it yeah because i i mean i, I would feel I everyone's different hearing before that like say pixar does it one way like records first and animates to it hmm. and then anime is the other way around like they animate first and record After. second but i can't remember i mean obviously for the english dub they had to record over the animation yeah. instead. Yeah. The it only takes rep- like two years, actually. It always takes two years to do a translation, too. Yeah, I mean, they got to translate wow. it properly first before yeah, they can time. record it. You'd be really surprised, too, how many, like, how many, like, the people behind the voice actors in these films, too. I have the names, if anyone's curious. Yeah, actually, give them to us. Yeah. Um, Ashitaka, uh, the English voice actor, is... Called by Blue Long Johnson from the Watchin' film. Sorry. Sorry, what did you just say? The guy who plays, uh, the guy who plays Doctor Manhattan in the Watchmen. Oh, Blue. Okay. <laughs> His Billy Cud- Crudup. Oh yeah. yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith is in it. Is Toki? She's like the sort of leader of the um, women brothel women. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Claire Danes is San. Oh yes, Claire Danes from Homeland. Of course, we have um, Keith David doing like the narration. Yes. He's also the voice of Okoto, but yeah, he does the, the narration at the beginning. Who is the guy from... He's every president in those low-budget B-movies. Um, yeah. Or the general. He's, yeah. Um, it's more often the general. I'm trying to think of a movie that he's been in recently. I can't He's been in Requiem for a Dream. Very small role. Yeah, so he was like the dirty 
heroin dealer in that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's very obscure, but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, who else? We have Mini Driver is Lady Eboshi. In mm-hmm. English dub. And then Who was in Goodwill Hunting as Yeah, the the oh, yeah. love interest. Mm-hmm. Will how Hunting's about, How do you like them apples? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then this was the only voice that I like didn't place on my own. Um Gillian Anderson is the voice of Morrow. The, you like, mean Gillian Anderson? Gillian. Is it Jilly? Yeah, yeah. it's Gillian. Gillian yeah. Anderson. Scully. Forgive me. Yes, uh, Scully. Yeah. Scully is the voice of the <laughs> yeah. the wolf god. And then the monk. Played by Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob, Billy Bob. Billy Bob, Billy Bob. Corey didn't even know that. It was really funny. I, th- I, I knew I was wrong, but I couldn't stop thinking of Jeff Goldblum. I was like, I know, I know <laughs> it's, it's not, not it. him. Yeah. But <laughs> Man, yeah. what a different character that would be if it was Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, <laughs> That would be just as good. I would love it. <laughs> I, think, I think the thing about, I think the, the really cool thing about uh, these like translated Hawamuzaki films, because they're owned by... Disney, right? Disney did distribute some of them. I think originally it wasn't Disney that released. I don't think it was Disney that distributed Princess Mononoke no. when they initially released it. No, it wasn't. But there was, was a couple. But more recently, though, like Totoro. I think, it's, I think it started with Spirited Away. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Is when Disney kind of like um, sort of sponsored them or started producing them. Or I'm but it's sure. interesting how like big A list actors and actresses are actually like in this film as voice actors because mm-hmm. when you look at those actors now they're big like christian bale played howl in hell in howl's moving yep. castle mm-hmm. so it's weird to think about your act the actors that you really like and put them in these like kind of like roles that you don't think they'd ever kind of like voice or anything no that's true when you see howl in howl's moving castle you don't think of christian bale that's for sure yeah you don't definitely don't think of batman <laughs> <laughs> although he does wear that coat like a cape in the movie so. Yeah, but it's in more of a flamboyant way than <laughs> than a heroic way. I have a I have a question about the um, yeah the giant blob oh, at the end at the end. Okay, yeah. Is that a staple in uh, anime to just have a giant <laughs> thing at the end? Um, I mean, like I mean, I'm only taking reference from two films, but <sighs> you had your big boy in Redline, and then you had your big glob in this one. Uh, I mean, like giant monsters is like. If you stretch it out over like Japanese film, yeah, mm. totally. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't have, I don't know if like the Nightwalker, which is like the tall, invisible, sort of death half of the forest spirit. Yeah. I don't know if it's based off of any spirit in particular mm-hmm. or not. Are um, all these are all these like demons and spirits based off actual like lore and Japanese? Yeah, history? well, like um, the way culture? that sort of Shinto yes. sees gods. That's the word. Shinto. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, like, Japan also... What is Shinto? Explain to us what Shinto is. Oh, my God. Uh, Not an expert. Preface, not an expert. Shinto is a sort of ancient religion from Japan that is basically, it looks at gods as being something that is part of nature. Mm. Like... Greek mythology, kind of? Um, kind of. Yeah. But, like... That tree that's really old, like it's revered as it has a spirit in it. Okay. Mm. Like spirits can be in in a river, spirits or can be in a in pebble, massive forest. Um, mm. like um, spirit can be an entire forest. Right? A fox that you see in the forest could just be a fox, or it could be a fox trickster spirit. Oh, like okay. it's something that's very integrated 
into the world oh, as you it's a know bit like, it. It's, about, it's a bit indigenous as well, almost. Yeah, so it yeah. sounds very Native American as well. Totally. Yeah, you could totally make parallels in that regard. Like, it's like... Because they do have sort of a pantheon of gods as well. Yeah. Um, But, like... Like giant wolves? No, like, people who have, like, human bodies and stuff. Oh, okay. Like, the sun, the sun goddess Amaterasu. Like, there are those two, but, like, it's a... It's a sort of belief system that is much more integrated into, like, I don't want to say reality because, I, I mean, like, I think in modern Japan, I, I don't know how popular it is anymore. But, like, in the setting of this movie, it probably would have been a little bit of that. And then yeah. Buddhism as well. Like, I, I'm pretty sure that, like, Jigo, who is, like, the shifty monk, I'm pretty sure he's a Buddhist monk. Okay. Um, But, like, so these spirits... Like, you know how everybody kind of just accepted they existed? Like, yep. nobody was like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. There's like... I mean, there's a couple times where people... Well, they're surprised by how they look or they're scared by the forest spirit, like yeah. how he looks, but they don't question their existence. Yeah. Like, they don't say... They're more in just of awe, they like just being know, able to see them. They know not to go into the forest because there is a god, a wolf god there that will kill them. Yeah. And that's yeah. sort of like the way that you can look at Shinto is like, it's just like part of the world. Sure. That makes sense. Before we before we wrap up here, I want to talk about the Akamuda. Oh, you mean the Kodama? The Kodama, the little white, uh, clicky spirits. God. Yeah. What What is that? Where, when we were kids, I used to ask you about those as well. I'm pretty sure they are an actual like yeah spirit. Yeah. Like because um, like I've heard about these things before, and they're literally just what he says they are. Like you see them in forests that are healthy. Are they spirits or fairies? Like what? Uh, I mean, I don't know if there are like different words for different types of spirits or like sprite type things in Japanese culture, like mushi. They're not gods. They're like, uh, they're like a, they're like a good omen. Like they're like protectors. I mean, you could compare them to fairies. Like, you know, scary. They're scary fairies. Scary fairies. Oh, I think they're really cute. Like when they're when he's giving the like the wounded man a piggyback and they're like they're all giving each other piggybacks like we can do it too. I don't know. I With can do. They're they're really <laughs> <laughs> They're really adorable. But yeah, like they're I wouldn't like read into them too much. Mm. Like other than like they're a symbol of a healthy forest like at the very end of the film as it sort of cuts to the ruins of the forest and then one of them sort of like, bah. it's like a promise that the forest can become Move healthy on. again. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to note how like my fear for them was quite similar to the fear of the gentleman who saw yeah. them for the first time. Yeah. Riley also thought they were really creepy I didn't like <laughs> when he saw it for the first time too. They just look like scream face. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, I, I guess that they're the you the way some of them have permanent open smiles is something that is often attributed to like tomfoolery, like masks. Yeah, you know, that you, yeah. that you're not sure what's behind them and stuff. Like, I totally, I get what you're saying. I don't know. I couldn't tell you why I think they're cute. I just do. Let's just say, if I saw them in the woods, I would exit the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I'd leave. I, I yeah. don't know if I I probably would too. Yeah. <laughs> but also know that the woods is going to be okay if I leave. Yeah. Yeah, because they're the there wo- to protect These woods it. are healthy. Goodbye, woods. Yeah, just, just checking on you. Yeah, we gotta go. <laughs> what a, we should look for them next time we hike Mount Doug. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. But with that, I think, comes to the end of our discussion of the film Princess Mononoke. How do you think we did, Corey? I think we did super, as always. And Emily, how do you think we did? I think we did pretty dang good. Well, that's good. It was a lot of fun how talking about How do you about think this. we did, Brendan? Oh, okay. 
we're going over there then. Sure. I think we did good. Yeah. I'm quite tired, so I'm sorry if the listener feels that maybe in the listening, but I, mm-hmm. I am quite tired. I've had kind of a long week, so well. it's uh it's definitely I hope it's not showing through through me trying to come up with points this week to talk about and chit chat about. I think it just mo- mostly comes down to my lack of knowledge with anime films. And that's in part why I took an anime course. Cause I, I know we were talking before the podcast and you were saying, mm-hmm. well, why are you taking an anime course if you're not into anime? And it's not that I'm not into anime. It's that I don't understand it. And I don't like living in a world where something that I don't understand, I continue to judge. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I don't like it. And it's like, well, I have to have a reason not to like it. That's very mature of you. Oh, is that something you're not expecting me to say? No, no, no. I think that is. I think that <laughs> no, is a very good reason to take a course on anime. Yeah, it's just like I remember. I don't want to be afraid of something that I used. Like I used to like cartoons when I was a kid, and yeah. I think an aspect of that is that I want to kind of come to understand why I kind of stopped watching them. Do you know what I mean? Like the same reason why I won't watch BoJack Horseman. Like mm. I won't watch BoJack Horseman because I don't. Well, maybe get it's it because you don't like it. And that's fine. No, no, no. I think I would like it because you love it. And I love the same humor you like. Yeah, for sure. But you're saying that if a show is animated, you will... I think I just take two steps back. You'll... Yeah, you take a step back. It's more in the sense that, like, I'm afraid of it. And and there's an aspect as well that there's a level of maturity, I think, that goes with anime. Or not anime, with just animated films in general. I think that maybe there's an aspect that there's... This is a terrible way to think about it because I don't think this is true in reality. And I know this isn't true. This is just my brain kind of going there because that's how much I know about it. It's like I feel like the concepts are simple. However, I know they're not. And that's what I want to find out more about is how to be able to find more meaning in the concepts that are being shown to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And so it's it, it's more of a matter of me being a little bit ignorant and... For years being ignorant, actually, and like from when I was a kid, and then there was a point where I was like, cartoons are for, cartoons are for little kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they and kind of are, but. I mean, they are, but they're not, though. Like, I'm taking the animated course, and most of the films that we're watching are all, like, R-rated. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, dude, well, look at Rick and Morty. You love Rick and Morty. Yeah, Rick and Morty's, I think Rick, yeah, but that's like, I didn't think I was going to like Rick and Morty. And then I watched the first episode, I was like, this is amazing. Because hmm. it's just written really well. And I think that it's it's difficult. I think with Princess Mononoke, too, I was like watching it again. And I remember saying when, because Emily came over when I was finishing it, and I said, I remember it being better. Which broke my heart. I know that no, hurts. But I think <laughs> at the same time, I think that comes down to memory, though. Like, it comes down to the fact no, that... No, of like, course, if the last time you saw it was when you were 12 years old, you're going to have a very warped memory of what it was. Just like most of the video games that we played when we were younger were so good. Now you go back to play them, you're like... Oh, oh, these are Except for Vice City. I'm playing through Vice City again right now. <laughs> loving it. Oh, man. <laughs> Except for that helicopter mission. Yeah. I'm glad that we were able to watch this film, Emily. Thank you very much for picking it, because I definitely think that... Um, it's a good start to kind of the new semester of the school year, too, because this is my last, no, second to last semester, and I made sure that all the classes that I was taking were ones, because they were all electives, and I made yeah. sure that all the ones I was picking were all ones that were, like, going to challenge me, at least in my thought, mm-hmm. my thought process of the way I looked at the world. I looked at your syllabus, and you are in for a treat. There are lots of good anime movies in that yeah, syllabus. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. So, uh, hopefully, the listeners will get a bit of a you know, chitty chat of what I'm watching in my classes. I'm also taking a vampire course right now, which oh. is really cool. So we're watching a lot of vampire films. Very nice. cool. My professor sounds like Viago from What We Do in the Shadows. No way. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> He's German. <laughs> it's great. 
But with that, Corey, let's move over to the arbitrary reviews of the film. Sure. Because we are a discussing film podcast, not a reviewing podcast. That's right. So, Corey, what is your arbitrary review? My arbitrary review of this film, four sausage link monsters out of a possible five. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good. Emily, what's your arbitrary review? I am going to give this film... A whole forest full of Kodamas. <laughs> ah, nice. Do you say good hummus or good omas? A, a whole forest full of Kodamas. <laughs> oh, Kodamas. A million dollars. That's a, a lifetime th- supply of hummus. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. Hey, Corey, ask me. Uh, Brendan? Uh, Corey? What's your arbitrary review of this film? I'm going to give this film once more for childhood with feeling. That's what I'm going to give it. <laughs> Because that's pretty much what I did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, kind of, I, I'm glad I watched this film. It's a good way to kick off kind of the new year and, and thinking about the course that I'm taking this semester and, and thinking about how I might be able to approach a new, uh, another avenue of film that I've never really experienced before, wholeheartedly with like kind of my film studies background mm. um, and, and my critical thinking background. So I'm really excited about it. And this is kind of a good way to start it off because... Um, I loved this movie growing up, and yeah. it was it was fun to watch again. So, nice. Emily, thank you so much for being on this week's episode. Thanks it's, for having it's me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And with that brings us to the end of another episode of The Real Rant. Corey, is there one last word you'd like to say before we sign off for the night? Monk. Emily? Ashitaka! <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs>